It's Thursday, January 29th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Molly Full Funds, Bill Barker. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. We're finally off and running after a nearly 30-minute delay in starting this podcast due to technical difficulties. Yes, which the <laughs> listeners do not care about. So I let's mean, m- we could try to drag out a discussion of no, that for a while. No, no, we'll we'll, we'll drag out the discussion about things. something else. Yes. Uh, we've got earnings from Facebook and Harley Davidson, but let's start with some executive news from McDonald's. Don Thompson is out as CEO after two and a half years, and. Uh, to add insult to injury, the stock is up more than 4% on the news that he is leaving. I'm surprised only in this regard. Don Thompson, while not doing an amazing job, and certainly the stock reflected that over the last year, and certainly the results reflected that, because 2014 was only, it was only the second time in the last 20 years that revenue fell for McDonald's. And yet, I'm still a little surprised that he was shown the door, um, whether he was shown the door or reti- reti- retired of his own accord. Um, effect- Is there a weather involved here? Uh, I, Are you just trying to be charitable? Uh, I haven't heard that there was anybody uh, taking the, the other side of shown the door. Yeah, it was, it was I, I guess some of the reports I saw had it couched as, well, he's resigning effective March 1st. Resigning makes it sound like it's his decision, but yeah, it's basically not his decision. Um, so that's my first question. Were you surprised when you saw the news? No, no. I I think that uh, given the struggles that McDonald's has had um, in, in China, you know, with suppliers, with uh, you know the the remodelings here, and the the failure of the company to really reward shareholders over the last uh, three or four years or so. Uh, no, I, I think that uh, it is it, in in the sense that you don't see generally CEOs uh, leave uh, just because things are going wrong in all directions. You know that enough is, is sometimes not enough, but uh, yeah, logically it, it makes a lot of sense. He's being replaced by Steve Easterbrook, who's a senior vice president and currently the chief brand officer at McDonald's. I'm also surprised by this, and I get that McDonald's is a massive company with somewhere in the neighborhood of 38,000 restaurants. This is a huge global operation. It is not a small job, and yet I'm a little surprised that they are not looking outside the company because this really does seem like a business in need of some, some fresh blood and fresh perspective. Uh, and I think you're right, and I think that actually uh, Easterbrook brings some of that. He's he's been with the company, had been with the company, left, uh, and worked at uh, a pizza company in, in uh, England, and then at Wagamama, uh, which just sounds like a silly thing to you, but it's a fairly like everywhere. Uh, in if you go around London, it's just everywhere a noodle um, and other food chain, uh, and so. He and and which does a healthier uh, menu than, than McDonald's. So he has been both pizza, not all that much healthier, if at all. Is it? Is pizza healthier than the than uh, McDonald's? Is uh, pizza healthier than McDonald's? You you can try. Sure, you can go like a whole wheat crust or <laughs> something like that. They're in the same group. Yeah. Right. Uh, and and then Wagamama is a, a little bit uh, healthier. So. So he has had some experience outside. Came back uh, to McDonald's uh, about a year ago, 
a little more, I think. And so he has got some perspective outside of the company. He has done some things that give him the opportunity to see what is working outside of, of the Golden Arches world. So I, I think you are right to think that that is something that should be involved in, in the CEO uh, at this point because they, they do need to rethink some things and some big things at McDonald's. From John Balk, listener number 25, who writes, Love the podcast. Wow, congratulations. <laughs> Regarding Monday's show, can I be the 178 billionth person to suggest Mattel should strongly consider Josh Baskin for the CEO vacancy? Josh Baskin, are you familiar? I'm. I'm. That's I'm, the that's the Tom Hanks yes, character yes, in Big. I was, I was, that's a uh, nice poll by John. <laughs> that's a strong poll. Uh, let's move on to Facebook's earnings. And good movie. By Big really holds up. Totally yeah. holds up. That's a good. That's a good family. Sure. Movie. Mm-hmm. Um, worth pointing out that four years ago, Facebook's mobile ad revenue was basically zero, and that is decidedly not the case when you look at their fourth quarter earnings, in which. of ad revenue comes from mobile. And yet the stock is down ever so slightly. Is is that because as an aggregate, investors are saying, okay, yeah, we know you can make money from mobile and we're no longer impressed? I don't know. These are some really big numbers they're putting up. There are some really big numbers and there are really big numbers embedded in the price of the stock already. So I think it's a fair fight, you know. (laughs) The stock was coming in here uh, at a valuation of two hundred and eleven billion dollars. Uh, for some perspective, a little another startup um, called Microsoft is is a three hundred and forty billion dollar company. So, Facebook is two thirds the value of of Microsoft already coming into the day, and some of that is accurate perception of the uh, company's structure and, and finances, and some of it is people uh, buying it because uh, they like Facebook and, and think it's the future and all that. So every quarter where it can deliver something that maintains the elevated price that it's already achieved is, is a pretty pretty good accomplishment. Uh, and, and that's true for a lot of other high-flying stocks. So I don't think, it, in no way is it a disappointing quarter. The market is kind of yawning at it in a sense, but it's also keeping it right at this very, very uh, rich valuation, it's still you know trading PE well north of uh, 60. So uh, I, I think that it, I think it's well done to Facebook and they've, they've still got to keep proving this level of achievement for a while to, to keep the stock uh, at these levels or improve from here. We were talking before we started taping and you were making the point about Microsoft versus Facebook and and people paying one company and not the other, because the average person who's on Facebook has never uh, probably paid a dime to Facebook and yet gotten hours, if not weeks, months, years of enjoyment out of using it. It's the advertisers that are paying Facebook. And yet I am wondering, uh, do you think Facebook at some point in, say, the next five years will test out some sort of premium offering, whatever that is, whether, you know, they're... They've dipped their toe in in video stream, movie streaming, and and that sort of thing. And I'm wondering if, for all of the opportunities that they potentially have with this massive global use, user base, do you think they'll test out some sort of uh, membership model? 
I, I would think at, at some point um, they would, be, but not, you know, they do a good enough job of making people happy to use them, and, and every time they change something or all of a sudden there's a little bit of, a, you know, outcry, you know, if they change the, the look of something or they make the ads more prominent and then they make the ads a little less prominent, and, uh, but there's always a little bit of an outcry because... A lot of internet users, and you and I are probably, some of them in a sense, expect to get everything for free. <laughs> I mean, we work for a company that puts stuff on the internet. We know that a lot of the users of The Motley Fool expect us to do things for free. If we change something for the purposes of our business, people will say, well, I, I'm going to take my business elsewhere, um, even though they're not paying us anything. And, and, and that's not different from the experience that we all have with 99% of the websites we go to, you know, they, if CNN has, has got a new, you know, uh, display recently, I was like, I don't, I don't really like this. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll go somewhere else you know? <laughs> to get my news, <laughs> get my news. How, take that CNN. <laughs> when you look at Facebook stock, is it just for you personally as an investor? It's is just it, jealousy. Is it, I don't, I don't have any. Is it, a, <laughs> is it a little too rich for your blood right now? Uh, yeah, I, I don't. We within the mutual fund uh, space, we have um, others who are uh, more qualified to value these types of things than than uh, I've chosen to be and, and direct my attention. So uh, we have not owned it, and that's been uh, a mistake. Looking at the scoreboard of how it's done during the time that we've been uh, in business in mutual funds, but that's that's all right. There are a lot of opportunities out there and I don't look at it right now as as I said it's well over 200 uh, billion in valuation that's a you know that's already a huge company and they've got a lot of opportunities and they could well be a big part of our lives for you know and, and our kids lives for a long time but they need to be to justify that kind of valuation Harley-Davidson's fourth quarter earnings fell, but they were still better than expected. This is a company you've watched for a long time. What did you think of the quarter? I thought it was a solid quarter. They had uh, improving international sales. Uh, some of that was uh, impacted um, you know, by the dollar, uh, strength of the dollar, so it didn't uh, translate as well as if the dollar were weaker. Uh, but uh, basically, a, a good quarter for them. Um, nothing terribly out of line with with expectations a little bit ahead on earnings um, the, the shipments were not up that much uh, but they are expanding their reach uh, internationally uh, and and still working to expand the demographic for here which is more older males and they need more more sales to women more sales to younger uh, you know motorcyclists so that they're don't necessarily line up with their products uh, where where the younger purchasers are for the most part, but th that's an opportunity for them. I want to read a sentence from the, I think it was the Associated Press report on Harley-Davidson's quarter, and I want to get your reaction to two things. And this is the sentence. Operating income from its motorcycle segment dropped 41%, mainly due to the impact of foreign exchange rates. My first question is, I get that the strong dollar can have a downside for international businesses. Is Am I wrong to think that 41% is a really, I mean, 
that's how strong the U.S. dollar is? It's hurting to the tune of 41%? Well, mainly because. So, I, I don't have the numbers of the breakdown of that sentence in front of me, but, it, you know, so that's more than half, okay. right? Sure. I mean, the, the foreign currency translations, and you're seeing this in any multinational this quarter, they are all lining up and, you know, blaming uh, this. This is. These are numbers that anybody you know has access to, and you know if your sales internationally are moving up a little bit as they they do every year. If you're Procter and Gamble or somebody like that, um, the, but the sales in in euros, the sales in in the other currencies uh, are just worth less in terms of dollars, and the foreign impact is a major story for the the quarter in any any company which is multinational. Uh, you know, Harley's quarterly results can fluctuate a little bit based on uh, things other than just uh, foreign currency effects. It wasn't, as you point out, you know, the total sales weren't up dramatically uh, for the for the year over year. But the, some of that's got to do with rollout of new models and things like that. So, forty one percent is is big, but and um, it's not all foreign currency, but it's got to do with some of the model uh, launches. My second question is, uh, operating income from its motorcycle segment, I, I know they have other segments, but the motorcycle segment has got to be far and away the dominant segment of that business. What, what is in second place in terms of importance, and how close is it? Donuts or Ferris wheels or like what, what else does mer- Harley do? Yeah, is it merchandising? Is it just So, there just is licensing? some merchandising, uh, and that's a decent little side thing for you know the clothing and and uh, uh, coffee mugs or whatever people want to brand uh, I think Harley they have and, one of those shops over in National Harbor yeah and, and and so that's not a big thing but the financing is, is a big thing that, that, that okay. is a big part so you go in buy Harley maybe you're gonna most people are gonna get that finance just as they get their car financed uh, or their boat or anything like that and either they can get the bank to give the loan or they can get you know the dealer there, Harley's uh, financial division to to do the loan. So that hurt Harley, of course, in two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Um, like everybody else, like the auto business, uh, a lot of people were strapped and, and weren't repaying back their loans. Although in terms of Harley, they weren't hurt as badly. Uh, but that that's a, the bigger part that that you're thinking of. This is a stock that historically has done well. And beaten the market. The last couple of years, though, have been a little rough. Is that simply a function of how well the stock had done to that point? And when you think about it on a valuation basis, it's like, well, look, it had a good run. It can't run forever. And so at some point, it's it's going to come down a little bit. Or has the business actually struggled over the last couple of years? And that's why we're seeing it show up in the stock. Well, when you say the last couple of years, I think that it it was last year that Harley and other recreational vehicle makers uh, had a tough year. In 2013, the stock was up 43 percent, and 2012 was up 27 percent. It's been up, you know, the last from 2009 to 2013, it was up 13 to 50 percent every year. So last year, yes, 2014, down three percent. I think you can take that. After five years of you know twenty plus percent annualized growth to throw in a you know basically a flat year, uh, and it's um, 
you know, it, it was down year to date going into today. It's up a little bit on the, the earnings report. So some of that is the operations catching up with the valuation of the company, which had, you know, maybe gotten a little bit ahead of itself. The other thing is recreational vehicles um, are largely more correlated. This is more of a stealth housing market play than you would think. Because motorcycles or recreational vehicles, both okay. um, Harley uh, directly, um, because it, their demographic is more tied into the housing market. You've got a lot of construction workers who, when the housing market is is booming, will got a lot of work. They'll buy a Harley, uh, something like that. So it, it it works very well. You know the the economy as a whole is largely correlated with housing. Housing definitely didn't perform last year like people thought it was going to. New new home starts in particular, so that has uh, affected you know what the expectations were for the the final vehicle deliveries for Harley. When if the housing market picks up again in terms of new home construction, uh, not just you know the the value of houses and and um, already existing houses being being bought and sold, but new house construction. Uh, that is something that it's more tied to than you would think. So that that was a problem for Harley, for some others. Uh, Polaris, you know, took a little bit of a, a breather last year after a phenomenal run too, and Arctic Cat and some some of your other snowmobile, motorcycle, ATV, uh, you know, producers. Is it? Do you see one of those in your future? In like you retire and you're like snowmobile, maybe. You've been you you've done a little bit of that, right? A very little bit of that. I've done a very little bit of that, but far more likely that I would get back on a snowmobile than a motorcycle. I think if you know, if I lived somewhere that was just wide open, like Montana or the Dakotas or something like that, Alexandria, not Alexandria. <laughs> I think I think a motorcycle would be so much more fun than uh, a snowmobile. Um, out in places like that, yeah, I you think know, so. I mean, ATV. These are the things that are really selling and has driven Polaris's. Phenomenal performance over the last you know five six years, uh, and and this is not something we see a lot of on the mean streets of Alexandria, uh, all, all terrain vehicles. But uh, I mean they're selling very well in other parts of the country. But again, you gotta you gotta have a lot of land for the, things like that. Yes, you have a few acres of land. Sure. You I'm, ever driven okay. across the country? Um, no. There's a lot of land. <laughs> There's a lot of. There are not that many people. The, the like land v people equation is still land is kicking ass on that one <laughs> in this country. Uh, a couple of housekeeping notes before we wrap up. Uh, three in particular. First, the annual podcast award nominations are open now, and if you are so inclined and feel like nominating market foolery in the business category, we'd appreciate it. You can go to podcastawards.com. That's podcastawards.com and put market foolery in the business category. The nominations are open until February 2nd. So if you have the time and the inclination, we'd appreciate it. Second, tomorrow, Friday, we are going to have, I believe, our first ever bonus Friday edition of Market Foolery. Wow. Yes. Congratulations. Yes. Very excited about this. I think all our listeners are going to enjoy this. Uh, an interview taped earlier this week. In particular, our listeners in the UK, I think we'll, we'll be interested in this interview. So, uh, just going to leave can it at that. You, no, you can't give me any more hints. I'm not giving you any more hints. Uh, and last, is it the Queen? <laughs> it's not the Queen. If it was the Queen, I would, I would, I would have led with is that. It David Beckham. No. Well, I mean, who is it? <laughs> first, as an American, I'm running out. Is it Benedict Cumberbatch? First of all, 
I, I, I don't think. Is you, it Sherlock Holmes? I don't think you should equate the Queen and David Beckham. That's not a one and one a. The Queen is way up here. David Beckham, sure, that's a fine get, but that's not a, that's not the Queen. To podcast listeners, or, or I mean, who are we? <laughs> there are people who would rank those differently. That's true. That is absolutely true. Uh, last but not least, uh, I want to mention Motley Fool Stock Advisor once again. It's our flagship service. You can go to marketfoolery.fool.com, get 75% off. So check it out. That's marketfoolery.fool.com. The Super Bowl is this weekend. And yes. if nothing else, it's a great opportunity to consume food while watching athletic events on television. It's the rare occasion during the year when you can both eat and watch TV. <laughs> Do you have a go-to? Otherwise not approved of. In Do you this have country? a go-to snack? Do you have a, like, all things being equal, This, if I'm watching the big game, this is what I want to be eating and drinking? No. I'm pretty omnivorous, you know, in terms of snacks. Anything that is bad for you, I think, is <laughs> is pretty much right up my alley. So as long as it's not a crudite, as long as it's not yeah, a I mean, come dip. on. <laughs> Not even as a as a palate cleanser, just like okay to to clear out some of the Doritos cheese dust. I'm you gonna said have go to, right? No, no. I mean that's that's it's not it, uh, crudite is not in the top twenty, is it? For you, <sighs> top twenty, top twenty. It might be twentieth. <laughs> it might be. It's it's definitely not top. What's 10. It, what about you? Um, I'm always good for um, chips and salsa. If the salsa's got a little bit of a kick to it, I'm a fan of queso dip. Yeah, well I'm done, not, queso dip. I'm not, not a fan of that. Really? Yeah. Not a cheese guy. Oh, that's right. You're not a cheese guy. But, you know. But, yeah, the, the chips, salsa, the, any, anything that is advertised during the Super Bowl, I'm, I'm likely to be willing to eat. Even McDonald's. So, if, it's, so if, if we're living in a world of one-hour delivery and you're watching a Super Bowl ad and something's being advertised and you think, well, I don't have that in my house, you're going to press a button on your phone and be like, I want that here in 60 minutes. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, <laughs> that sounds like a good Super Bowl, doesn't it? Sounds like I mean, a good, I mean, good second half of the Super Bowl. Any any ad you watch in the first half, you're like, oh, I'll take one of those. Right. I'll take a six pack of that. I like that dog. Let me uh, <laughs> drink some of what he's trying to sell. I mean, you can't go wrong with puppies in commercials, except somebody did. Who did? GoDaddy. Are you not following this? Oh, I saw a headline about that. They had they, so they have a commercial that that features a puppy being lost. Is that yeah, it? And then, then like, they pulled it. Was yeah. it like way too sad a commercial? It was, I think, mocking Budweiser. But it was, yeah. The the, the puppy, you know, f- fights its way home through rain and snow and whatever apocalypse and zombies and and gets to the home and finds out immediately that it's been sold to a new owner, uh, and that that's the punchline. Wow. And as you can imagine. Um, although GoDaddy thought that was snarky. And, and, and then I guess Danica Patrick is like the driver that is, uh, you yep. see her driving the puppy to its new owners who presumably aren't presented in the commercial as either good or bad, but, you know, going to give this puppy a home. But but we feel sad for the puppy and, and we laugh. I guess we laugh at the puppy. I haven't seen the commercial, but here we are talking about GoDaddy. So they, they get, you know. <laughs> so well so it's a sort of a, a sort of a minor win. Yeah. Although I will say, but people were up in arms because puppies, and and they didn't like the way the puppy was treated in this commercial. I'm just going to say that when they're batting around ideas for the commercial in the room, and someone says, "I have an idea, let's poke fun at what Budweiser has been doing," 
Budweiser, for whatever you think of the actual beer itself, their commercials um, have stood the test of time when it comes to the Super Bowl and the holidays and that sort of thing. And so, once again, I go back to the wire. When you come at the king, you best not miss. Who's Who do you <laughs> figure is going to win Bud Bowl this year? Doesn't Bud always win? <laughs> Hasn't it been about a decade since Bud Bowl went away? Is oh, it? God. Are they, yeah, they're, they're not still doing that, are they? Uh, I don't think so. I will have to tune in and find out. No, no, that's one more reason to watch the big game. All right, Bill Barker from Motley Fool Funds. Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Ann Henry. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We will see you tomorrow for a special Friday bonus edition of Market Foolery.